ever imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. With your host, Conan Neutron. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A gigantic middle finger to everything that is rotten about music, rock and roll, and corporate power. The thing is, though, if you don't laugh, you're going to go on a killing spree with shot and nails. Confidence of a hero or a fool, I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. That's like a science thing, right? Indeed, indeed, indeed it is. It is a science thing. It is a science place. It is a scientific fact. They were all up in your face. It is time once again for the one, the only, Protonic Reversal. Welcome to it. Welcome to it. And additionally, welcome to it. Episode 300, people. 300. 300 people. Can you believe this? Can you believe that? I can barely believe it. <laughs> the one doing the thing. Uh, it, this has been... It's been a long road. Getting from there to here. No, I, I, I've been doing this a while. It's, uh, I think, what, over eight years now? So that's... Uh, that's that's saying a lot. And I, I, I was racking my brain... On what to do. Oh, you know, you know, let me, what I should do is do this uh, spiel that I've been trying to get down. Uh, welcome to Kona Neutron's Protonic Reversal. I am your host, Kona Neutron. I am a rock and roll lifer who has toured and recorded for over 22 years, most known for the band Kona Neutron and the Secret Friends. Music is a huge part of my life, and I use the format of this very long-running podcast to talk about music with musicians whose work I enjoy and respect, folks that may or may not be household names or do something very special. This is episode 300, and this is a, also a wild break in format. If this is your first time listening to the show, you are probably confused. But additionally, all of the archives are at protonicreversal.com and are always free. No ads, no sponsors, no kidding. If you'd like to support the show and get episodes sooner, you can give $1 a month to patreon.com slash protonicreversal. And if you like the show or even just a single episode, please feel free to share it along, like, subscribe, or post a review. All of that helps people find the show. It is just a darn nice thing to do. So, when I say break in format, uh, what, what do I mean about that? Well, what I mean is that I was trying to think of something special for this show. And I was breaking my brain, trying to figure it out. And, uh, you know, Andy does not explain on this one. This is just, that's uh, my mouse not tracking correctly. And I did the thing for episode 250 where... Somebody interviews me, right? And it was Jerry Casale of Diva. How do you say no to that? But that was also very weird because my mom died that same week. So I treasured that episode, but I kind of feel like I did that and I don't really want to repeat. And I kind of feel like a lot of podcasts do that. So what other things could I could I do? Well, one time I brought on the old co-hosts and kind of interviewed them, talked about the show. Cool, 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 cool. That was awesome. Uh, and then one time we did a montage at one time I did like a speed round, right? Some like 15 guests or something. I was exhausting. It was terrible. 
<laughs> I mean, it was probably fun to listen to, but it was terrible for me specifically. Because as a lot of you know, uh, and if you don't, the show is done live and nobody is around to help or produce for the show. It's all me. So it would be crazy to do something like that again, right? So what I came up with was this. Kona Neutron answers your questions. Meaning that over the years, I get a lot of people that uh, have hit me up, thank you very much, Zach, uh, about the show or about shows in general, how to podcast, kind of less now, but more when it first started. And a lot of feedback, mostly mostly good, <laughs> sometimes not so much. And it occurred to me that it might be interesting to do a Q&A, if you will. But instead of having like a somebody who is like a known interviewer or like a former guest or something along those lines, uh, just have it be really like free form and open form. So that's what I'm doing. That is what's happening. And we're going to see if it's a good idea or not. <laughs> but yeah, 300 episodes, man. Wow. Uh, I did not think... The idea of getting past three was a kind of gnarly uh, proposition when I started off with this eight years ago. And I had a plan when I started this show, but uh, much like when the first punch in the fight is thrown, that plan went out the window almost immediately. And I think that uh, it, it's worked out pretty well. A lot of folks have come on board during the COVID times, during uh, the March 2020 and after. The vast majority of people who actually uh, watch, listen to this show, whatever, actually came came in then. But it existed for a long time before that. And this was, as I've very fond of saying to anyone who will listen, this show was a life raft for me during that time. Where it was something I could focus on uh, and not just stare at the wall and, you know, just wait for death. <laughs> so that's that was good. I... Got laid off from my day job. All touring was canceled, et cetera, et cetera. So the COVID times kind of loom large for Protonic Reversal. And what I always say is that a lot of people feel that they didn't have time for podcasts, had time for it now. And because of that, they were able to dig into the archives. And it's that's a nice thing. So the, there's a couple things about podcasting. It's It's a passive form of media. For the most part, there's not a lot of interaction. Uh, I think that's changing now with the the era of streaming, but it used to be a completely passive medium because people would listen to it whenever they would listen to it, and oftentimes they would find something or reference something and come back to you, and perhaps the host, especially if the host was me, would be like, what are you talking about? I'm like, oh, it's literally something you said. Uh, and I think that's changed a little bit now, and these avenues for creating shows are easier to... Utilize and provide easier avenues for engagement and discussion. But it's a passive medium. You're putting something out there, right? You never, you, you, there's always the thought that, hey, maybe there's somebody listening and maybe they're getting something out of it, but you don't know that for sure. And it's something where ha these past couple years, having so many people touched by the show, and then with touring returning, 
in whatever degree it's at, and being out there playing music in Kona Neutron, the Secret of Friends, going and you know throwing Caterwaul and stuff, and just hearing individually from people how much they like the show, which is always kind of a weird conversation because you're coming up so, to someone to talk about a podcast, which is <laughs> not a tangible thing. It's not like a. It, it's uh, you heard about these things? They're called non-fuckable tokens, and they're valuable because they're made of computers. No, it, it's. I appreciate that, and I appreciate folks doing that, and that is a new thing for me. But I love to hear what people get out of the show. And it's it's interesting that what, for me, was an escape just from the world. And putting something out in the world that maybe isn't creative, but is creative adjacent, and can bring some value to folks, and some solace in like really tough times. Let's be clear, really tough times. Whatever your politics are, not the easiest time, right? And that is not something I take lightly at all. And the fact that this show kind of found a larger audience during that time is not something that, uh, that I take for granted. And, and I appreciate all y'all staying with me. And then going back and digging through the archives and, you know, there, there's a lot, there's a lot out there. And the ideas of from where I started with it to where it's at now, wildly different show but but i appreciate that and it's so great to hear just uh from people uh worldwide that uh, as as evidence lint music uh conan just want to say congrats on 300 episodes always great to see my friends in here like jim from dead keep it going much love from australia proton conversal loves australia we have a lot of australian guests i i actually hadn't really thought about that but yeah we, we love australia here. I'm using the royal we. That's the thing. There's no one else that runs this show. It's just me. But like I shift into like I we statements all the time, <laughs> which is really hilarious. Uh, but yeah, it's, you know, the fact that you can have folks in Australia getting something out of it or say, I think it was like what the, I can't remember if it was the third or fourth most listened to podcast in Australia period, which was the Mick Harvey episode, surprising nobody. And, uh, you know, that's not something I take lightly either. Uh, not to, that sounds like a brag, and I suppose it is. But this medium that requires nobody to pay any money to anything. You can if you want to, if you want to support the show, patreon.com slash patronaconversal. To be able to provide that kind of value and engagement is uh, special. And I consider it being of service. Usually. Uh, not necessarily tonight, though, but we'll see. We got we got some, we got some questions. I'm going to answer them. Uh, so if you have a question for me about the show or podcasting in general, Conan Neutron, The Secret Friends, or any of my other bands that have existed, or uh, you know anything along those lines, feel free to just throw it in the chat. You can uh, do so YouTube, Twitch, uh, Facebook, I think. Did I put it on Facebook? I think I did. And uh, good old Radio Note, RadioNote.com as well. So uh, let's start off with, oh, here's Jandra World from uh, the incredible movie night extravaganza and Bad Takes, uh, co-host of the movie show that I'm on. Congrats on the 300th episode, says Jandra World. I would love to hear about what impact your interviews have had on your creative process. Well, that's a very informed and interesting question, Andy, because I think that when you hear folks that you're personally inspired by creatively, there's a lot you can take away from it because there's there's peaks and valleys. 
and even for folks that seem like they've only had peaks, they have had valleys, and maybe it's just something that you weren't necessarily aware of. So it can be good to put that in context when you're having your own rough times that, you know, a lot of people that you listen to, their records all the time are in the same boat. They're feeling anxiety. They're feeling uh, depression in some cases. Uh, You know, they're feeling creatively blocked. And they're dealing with the same emotions and and problems that, that you have. So there's that part of it, right? Because I always like hearing about people bouncing back. Like, I'm a sucker for an underdog story. Like, I'm Rocky Balboa all day long, right? Anytime you have someone that shouldn't be able to pull off something huge or uh, notable and they're able to, I'm, that's my happy place. That That's my, what, what people say now, that's my love language. Is, is that the thing that people say? Uh, but sure. I mean, whatever it is, that, that's that's extremely my my stuff. And... I love hearing people overcome adversity, whether it's personal adversity, professional, creative adversity. I think it's something this show inadvertently, because they certainly didn't have a that articulated of a plan to start, does well. And you know, I think back to the touring documentary, why we are doing this. Uh, sorry, why are we? Why am I doing this? That would be the sequel. Why are we doing this, right? <laughs> but uh, Hosey from Helmsley, who I just saw the other night, says something along the lines of, and I, I should have the quote down if I'm going to quote it, but uh, I'm just I'm just going free here. It's it's like how much do you want it, right? There there are times that like test you that that you really have to kind of think to yourself, how important is this to me? And I love hearing when people, you know, put it all in black, so to speak. You know, not literally, but creatively. And it pays off. And then I also love hearing about when they put it all in black and it completely go, and it goes red. <laughs> like, I love hearing about that, too. Because I think it's amazing that we can, you know, we can learn a lot from the triumphs and we can learn a lot from the failures. And I definitely, I'm someone that has learned a lot from both. And I think that it's, I think it's interesting. I think I think it's interesting to hear those stories, especially from people that maybe, when you think of them, that you think of them as being these, you know, stars, these rock stars, or, you know, these these creative giants that like are so self assured with every move, and to and to know that they're like, or even better when there when there is a certain knowledge of like, yeah, we're walking into a fight. We're just gonna get our ass kicked right now. Like no one is gonna like this record, <laughs> or we love it, but this is gonna be this is gonna be like a long. This is gonna be a ride for everybody, and we'll we'll just see how it goes. I, I love hearing about that kind of thing because for me, it's all about pushing the creative boundaries. It's about pushing yourself. It's about pushing the audience, and that that's how I think about for music certainly, and that's how I think about with the show as well. And I think that I think it's notable that a lot of people. <laughs> a lot of people um, <laughs> uh, think that they they have advice for me for this show, and all of that advice, unsolicited, I might add, is generally be like other shows, right? And that's not what makes this show special or interesting. I don't feel, and I've I've 
you know, I'm bullheaded enough <laughs> to know what does make it interesting. And, and I think that that's good. But I think a lot of times you have to really balance engagement with the audience and sort of giving what people demand or ask for or think that they want rather than what they need. And that's what I've always tried to do with this. And, uh, you know, it, it's nice to find people engaging with it. Because I honestly I was just trying to make the show I wanted to make. That, that was I didn't hear it. I didn't hear this show. This show, when people think of the shows that are, like, quote-unquote in competition, it's not a competition, people. Not a competition, people. When people think of, like, other shows that do this kind of thing, none of them were around. None of them. Uh, bef- this was before... What turned out a punk? This is before Creative Control. This is before I think, if I'm right. Uh, this is definitely before the trap set, and it it was having the kind of conversations that I wanted to hear. That's all it was. And now I think there there are more shows that do that, but I'm I'm happy because it's I'm more self assured that it doesn't threaten me. It doesn't threaten me that other people are doing this. Great. Let's 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 go. Let's let's see what everyone's got. You know, like Instagram story or yeah, story Instagram live shows and all the stuff that people came up with dur- during the COVID. Some of it's great, some of it less great. But I, I'm definitely much. I'm very comfortable in what I do, and yeah, I just feel like if you are a creative person. Hearing someone at ease and talking is going to be a different kind of conversation than like a, a more stilted, strict question and answer interview. And, and part of what makes this part of the value of this show is I also record. I also make music. I've also done this like my entire adult life and more than likely not on the level of the people I'm talking to sometimes. But uh, it provides a unique perspective. And, uh, you know, I'm glad people get something out of it. So, uh <laughs> <laughs> Andy, God damn it! So this is this is a this is not a comment, but this is a or this is not a question. When you got dressed today, you certainly put it all on black. Yep, I did put it all on black. <laughs> this is more of a dark blue though. You can't really you can't really tell with all of the the signage. Which by the way, Kim Coletta totally busted my chops for, and she was right. I mean, there's like there's there's a proton reversal on the mic thing. There's a proton reversal in the background. There's a proton reversal like sort of Christmas ornament. Uh, if you're just listening on the audio, you're probably incredibly confused. But there's a, the video has a lot of a uh, lot of signage. So probably the best way to put it. Kim Kledda totally busted my chops. Uh, all right, so Zach Parrish, what would you like to see more of in rock and roll, either sonically or culturally? Very good question. So I, I think there's a tendency towards familiarity with uh especially rock music that it i mean look at that with like red f on fleet band right i mean they, they it sounds very much like led zeppelin who in turn also were you know not exactly the most original dudes in the world as well but i think there's a lot to do culturally with the fact that we reward things that we already know we are we reward things that are familiar to us we reward members of bands right if a band is a members of so-and-so band, then it immediately has like a hook. And I mean, that's something I benefited from. Don't get me wrong. But 
we culturally the the way that our social media has trained us is to tacitly reward the things we already know and to reward us for advancing or sharing the content of things that are already known commodities so it's dangerous because when something truly unique or weird comes in and like i'm thinking of like a big pig Right, the band Big Pig from New York, or Reptoid, like these just crazy bands that, yeah, if you're a real music nerd, you can probably, well, uh, actually, Lightning Bolt and Brainiac, blah, 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 blah. Okay, fine. But from perspective of like the larger scope of music, they're kind of genuine weirdos. They're freaks. And I love to see freaks. <laughs> I love to see like stuff that I've not heard before. And. All the better when it's not just a pack of noise, when there's like songs involved. You know, that that just, it, it makes me so happy. Uh, we just did a tour with the band Service from Indianapolis, which is Jilly from We Are Hex. Russell from John Spencer Blues Explosion plays drums. They're they're incredible. And, and they're, they're kind of hard to describe because they're sort of like a little, some of it kind of sounds like along that the birthday party, the fall, uh, kind of post-punk. But then it's also kind of rock but also kind of punk too and this the way it all fits together is very unique and cool and the songs and the songs are great so what i would like to see more of in rock and roll sonically is people just trying different stuff look at just look at the world of guitar pedals i mean when i started playing there was basically like you had boss you had electro harmonics and you had like a couple other ones as well there wasn't a lot of craziness. And now you got like, you know, bit commanders, and data corruptors, and uh, this, that, and the other. And I find it disappointing. I find it disappointing that people aren't afraid to like make it weird. Make it weird. Make it weirder. Make it crazy. You know, like, I mean, <laughs> to a certain degree. I mean, like, but I, that's what I would say I would like to see more of because I, I think it's, scary to take risks and I think that you aren't necessarily rewarded for taking risks in today's day and age like you're it's sort of if, if you're the first song on your record is not like an absolute banger that makes people wanting to come back for more then you're done it'll never get listened to again and that's mundane and vulgar and I don't like it but it's where we're at culturally uh, but that said it doesn't mean you have to Fit yourself into some imagined box like a veal, either. And I'm always, I'm always gonna take my hat off for anyone that goes deep. So, culturally, different story. So, second part of that question. Culturally, I just like to see people treat each other with with a little more empathy and kindness when possible. But that's just humans in general. And then also, I'm so sick of people like being afraid of being fans of music. Like, why are you playing music if you if you aren't a fan of music? And everyone feels like it somehow diminishes their own creative output. It absolutely does not diminish your creative output to be a fan of music. That's absurd. And I think that comes from a place of insecurity. And I think that, you know, it's 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 weird that that somehow developed. And I think part of it is that it used to be that the blending of the personal with the creative was not assumed. 
the art was one thing and the person was another. And now everything is just one thing, <laughs> which is crazy for someone like myself, where it's like, yeah, I make records, I tour, but I do this show too. I co-host a movie show as well. I throw a festival. Like, I do all of those things. And yes, I'm exhausted just talking about it. Thank you very much. But I do all of those things, and it almost seems like everybody's needs to be a quote-unquote 360 brand. But then additionally, if you do too many things, then it's just information overload. And, and that's, I, I just reject that entirely. I mean, some of my favorite guests are someone like, you know, Ian Miller from Kowloon Mold City or Mario Rubicaba, who have just been in like, they've been in so many bands, I'm going to make the leader cards. <laughs> like I have to make the font like 24 points or something. And then someone's inevitably like, oh, you forgot about whatever. I'm like, man, I didn't forget about it. I ran out of space on the image, you know? And I love that. And that's, I mean, that's never been my deal. Like, I'm not someone that has played in a million bands. But I love the the freaks, nerds, and weirdos that do do that. And they just, you know, they don't worry about their, oh, well, is, is this band, you know, cultivating my image, this and that? You know, who cares? Who cares? Like, everything is, we're dancing on the edge of catastrophe and apocalypse on a daily basis. Just freaking engage, engage with the world around you, and don't be afraid to be a fan of stuff. Like I don't understand, I don't understand that concept at all, and and I reject it summarily. So okay, here's a probably most of the advanced messages that I got were like this: When am I gonna have Fruit Loops on my show? So that's Carl. Thanks, Carl. I don't. I would say the, the, the so the funny answer would be I don't know what Fruit Loops is, but I, I know it's an artist. I, I'm just not that familiar. I'm sorry. I think that the strength of this show is that the people I have on I'm genuinely interested in, and usually it's because I'm a huge fan. I'm I'm interested in that person's art. I'm interested in how they engage with the world, uh, with their fans in some cases. And that that's where the hook is. And, and there's been there's been stuff that's been suggested to me, that's been pitched to me that I'm like, mm, yeah, that's cool. But that's not what this show is. And I think I, there has to be some level of engagement with it. So like with Fruit Loops, with Fruit Loops, uh, I'll check it out. It's on my to check out list, man. I, I got I got a two checkout list a mile long. But Carl, I'll, I'll get to that, Carl. So uh, th- thank you for that one. Uh there, you know, here's another one. Um, this is Brian. Where'd it go? There we go. Congrats on 300 shows. That's quite the accomplishment. This is the ultimate podcast. Yes. Interviewing so many greats that you don't hear from often in such a detailed discussion. I've heard you mention Thinking Fellows on the show at least once during the John Fine episode. Just wondering if you had any connections or plans to reach out to them in the near future. Uh, fave band of mine since discovering 25 years ago. I think it would be fascinating to hear an in-depth Album by album discussion with one or more fellers in the future. Keep up the fantastic work and all the best. Yeah, um, I love Thinking Fellers Union. I love that man. Uh, and being from Oakland, I used to regularly run into Ann Eckelberg of <laughs> Thinking Fellers at the video store that, the video store, everybody, the video store that was like the, the estate kind of film snob video store. And we, generally speaking, would always be going for, like, the same movies, which is, like, really hilarious. But I saw them a bunch way back when, and I, I, I love that band. I, I'd have anybody from Thinking Fellers Union on. Uh, I haven't given it that much thought. 
uh, but I think it's a really good idea. And I'm enough, I'm enough of a nerd for all their records that if you know if we want to get into a Worm by Leonard or whatever, I can <laughs> speak at length about it. I mean, that's a band that is just genuine freaks, and that's a perfect example of, of what I'm talking about. And I reference them quite a bit. So that's, that's a great suggestion, Brian. Thank you for that. I will get on that. Uh, get Tony Joy in the show. That's, not, that's a command. That's not a question. <laughs> so can you rephrase that in the form of a question, please? Thank you. <laughs> Tony Joy, that's um, uh, Universal Order of Armageddon, right? Um, is that the guy from the Convocation? That was a good band. Oh, Born Against, Born Against. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, yeah, I'd be down for that. Anyone in the, in the like, the Vermiform family. I, I would love to have a... <laughs> can, you... <laughs> uh, can you please try to get Tony join the show? Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, I'd love to have Sam McFeeders on, too, speaking of uh, Vermiform. I'm a, I'm a big fan. But, yeah, I'd have Tony join. Sure. I haven't, haven't, haven't thought about it. I better take some notes for this most most of most of my soliciting of questions was either will you get so and so on the show can you get so and so on the show you know etc cetera, etc cetera. but yeah uh you know i like i think um convocation ua born against those are those are great bands i'd, I'd be down for that i feel like i maybe have not had as many hardcore people on except for like black flag people and whatever Anyway, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm down. That's a uh, Sam, Sam McFeeders would roll. And Sam McFeeders has a really great book that I picked up last year. And I highly recommend it. I forget what it's called, but it, it looks like, it's like you look at it and it looks like a Sam McFeeders piece of art, if that makes sense. <laughs> like you're just like, oh, yeah, I think I know who that is. It just has his distinctive look. Uh, all right. I may, Zach, you may. You might have answered this, but who was your gateway band? Who inspired your, your enthusiasm most directly? So, good question. I got two answers to that. I grew up with rock and roll parents. Um, they were hippie parents. They had lots of cool records around. They loved listening to music. So, so consequently, I grew up listening to like Black Sabbath and The Beatles and Neil Young and Rolling Stones and Creedence Clearwater Revival, so on and so on and so on. And I loved all that stuff. But for me, it was when I heard Nirvana that the world kind of changed for me. Nirvana begat Sonic Youth and Melvins and Butthole Surfers and Jesus Lizard and so on and so on and so on. And that kind of kicked into hyperdrive once I worked at a record store and had the ability to listen to to music whenever I wanted to, which kids today may not understand, but that wasn't a thing that you could do. So my path, uh, one of my biggest gateway bands is Nirvana. For sure. And I still, you know, I don't listen that much, but still, like, all love and praise to Nirvana. Uh, and and ultimately, look, think back to what I said earlier, right? That was a band that was not afraid of being a fan of other bands. You know, just t- look at Kurt Cobain, like, wearing the flipper shirt. Or, like, giving, like, big ups to the Vaselines. You know, he was uh, constantly repping bands that he liked and they thought were cool and weird. And, and I think that that's, that's the way to be. That's the way to be even if you're not famous. But if you are famous, you're blowing it by not doing that. So that, that's the first answer. Second answer, uh, as far as a band that made me want to play music, was Unwound. And like when I first heard Unwound, uh, I mean, they kicked my mind in. On cassette, by the way. Cassette. 
<laughs> and a stellar band, amazing. One of my favorites of all times. And that's one of the bands that made me be like, you know what? I am going to actually for real try to play this. I'm, I'm, I've sort of attempted to do all the things you do in a band except for actually write music and play music. But it was unwound that kind of was like, well, you know what? Like this, this is making me excited enough to, to give it a try. And the fact that I later, you know, befriended Vern and then played with him is, you know, I mean, that's a big deal for me. He's one of my favorite bass players of all time. And I'm glad we got to do that before he passed because uh, he was a real unique and special individual. And I miss him a lot. So I took that to a weird place. But yeah, Nirvana, Nirvana first and, the, and then Unwound. That's my gateway bands. It's probably the easiest way to say. I could, I could go more in depth. Like I could say, like here's my gateway band for country or like jazz or rap or whatever, and we could go down that route. But I, I think to to answer the intent of the question rather than the letter of it, uh, say Nirvana and Unwound and everything else kind of came from there. And also just working at a record store and discovering, oh my God, there's great music in literally almost every genre, and I had no idea. And maybe some of these I was kind of a dick about. Fair enough. All right. I like producers that leave their fingerprints on artists in different ways. Eno, now Rogers, T-Bone Burnett. What producers do you check out when they work on an album? It's a great one. Thanks, Andy. So I'm a huge fan of John Congleton of The Paper Chase, uh, former guest of the show, but I haven't had him. I haven't had him on since he won the Grammy. We were going to do a COVID episode and... I don't know, stuff got crazy for him, stuff got crazy for me. But I, I we used to play shows at the Paper Chase, and I think the Paper Chase is just an inc- incredible band. But he was always an amazing, unique producer. And and the idea that, like, <laughs> the idea that he'd be winning Grammys is sort of like, wow, really? Because, of course, he should be, right? Because he's, he's, he's very talented. But it wasn't until, like, you know, I mean, I, I think it was the St. Vincent record. The self-titled one, I think, is, is what it was. But he's, and then, like, he's, you know, what is he, we have, like, The Roots and, like, uh, Bono. And, like, he's done, like, a bunch of rap stuff I know. He, oh, he did that um, Franz Ferdinand and Sparks record. Uh, you know, Black Mountain. Like, he, he's done so many different, and he's such a unique, he's such a unique and cool guy. And I'm lucky enough that he recorded my old band and he mixed some stuff for me over the years and just uh, absolute uh, the word gets thrown around but genius for sure like he's just he's just, just incredible can't say enough nice things about John Congleton uh, also Toshi Kasai who again conflict of interest alert uh, produces all my stuff but he, and he produces uh, all the Melvin stuff or whatever uh, anytime I see a band has recorded with Toshi I'm like I will definitely check that out because I think he's he's got such an ear for sound, but also for uh, vocals, especially. Like I just, he, I think he's just one of the best in the game for, especially any kind of vocals with like weird or heavy music. He's he's just unparalleled, and the fact that he's not fawning articles or not being written about him uh, astounds me. If you're talking about more old school, I, I, Tony Visconti is a big. I, I like what he did a lot. Um, I was honored to have him on the show. I, I basically got in a ton of uh, a ton of Tony Visconti nerdery nerdery uh, while that was happening. That was good. Um, Steve Albini is amazing. 
you know, I, I think he's got he's got a thing. He's got an aesthetic. He's incredibly talented at it. Uh, Alex Newport's really good. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a bunch of people that I'm always like, oh, really? Because sometimes it's like I don't. I'm like, oh yeah, cool. That's interesting, you know. And it, it, a lot of the <laughs> I could name names, but some of these people I want to get in the show, so maybe I'm not going to. But like, I think there's people that like are lauded as you know incredible producers, and I'm like, yeah. It's pretty good. <laughs> and you know what? That's fine. Because it's it, unless it's like... And there's, there's also someone that's recorded a lot that I really don't like, but I'm definitely not going to say that. So <laughs> I'm trying to, trying to run a show here. Uh, let's see. What's this? Mr. Fisk. Ah, hey, Steve. Someone needs to tell the story of the Heavenly Ten Stems, a thinking fellow side project that was canceled in the early 90s for cultural appropriation. Yeah, those guys were like just insanely creative right i mean like just just from their band alone like and you'd be like wow there's like more ideas in this record uh, than in this song than there are most people's record but like they the whole world around them i mean it's that might have to be a two-parter you know like i but I'll, i'm 100 percent down would love to have thinking fellers on uh anyone anyone from thinking fellers so let, let's I'll, I'll put i'll put them on the list and uh yeah we'll we'll get my top people on it uh do i ever get starstruck talking to your music heroes buzz crover etc etc even after befriending them or does professional work mode kick in during an interview thanks brad so that's a good question because i've gotten a lot of feedback about how at ease i feel or or sound uh talking to certain people and it's generally speaking it's because i am uh there's definitely there's definitely moments, especially when stuff's getting more, uh, you know, uh, jovial or, or loose, if you will, that you're just like, wow, I'm. It's crazy that I'm hanging out with, you know, the guitars for the Stooges right now, talking about this or like whatever. And it's, it kind of like, it does cross my mind, but I don't let it grow in anything because, again, I think the, the way that the show works is that it's it's a lack of formality it's you keep a you don't have people with their shields up and sometimes that still happens and that's kind of like oh i got some work to do like and, and like i'll subconsciously try to work on them in some way uh to try to get a different kind of conversation i i think it's something like it's like running a marathon or something you know how like people will you know, they're running the marathon, running the marathon, and then like afterwards, like, oh my God, I'm going to die. And it's like when you're running the marathon, you don't feel it. Uh, but afterwards, you absolutely do. And so, you know, I don't know. And also, I just generally, I, I have a deep appreciation of the things I have a deep appreciation of, but I don't, I'm a huge fan, but not a fanboy, if that makes sense. I'm a fan man. No, I mean, it's just, <laughs> this is a certain kind of like, Super fan. Look, I saw Melvin's on Tuesday and was attempting to hang out with Dale and got to see how people like react to them. And I, I've seen that many times over. So, you know, Mike, like Faith and Moore, Mike Patton, et cetera, et cetera. And that's how, that's how some people manifest their enthusiasm. For me, I just, <laughs> I'm the kind of like, I scientist brain it for whatever reason. And, and that I think, you know, leads to some interesting stuff. Uh, so to, to fully answer the intent of the question, 
Do I ever get starstruck? Usually the second it's done. Like usually when I when I go to a song, I'm like, wow, that actually happened. Crazy. And, and it happens not necessarily with the most famous people, but definitely people that I feel I either owe a lot to life-wise and creatively or that, you know, they just, just put their trust in me. Put their trust in me to have a conversation that uh, they wouldn't have with anyone else. Like, I, I'm blown away by how many people have come on this show that don't do this kind of thing. And that makes me happy. And that, that makes me feel like it's doing something worthwhile. And anyway, I'm not going to dislocate uh, myself here, you know, talking about this. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's see what we got. Okay, congrats on 300 episodes. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. <laughs> Gee, this has got to be James. Grasshopper lies heavy. What's my favorite anime? Um, Akira, probably. I mean, that's probably a popular answer. But I think Akira is incredible. And I think there's a lot of films that try to rip it off, and they, they kind of do it poorly. A uh, guy I know, same guy who wrote Rogue One, the Star Wars movie, and uh, that, that movie Book of Eli, uh, Gary Whitta, he, he did a treatment for a live-action Akira that has yet to be made. But the way I'd be like, well, if, if anyone could do it, it would be Gary. Gary Whitta absolutely could, <laughs> could write something that would be amazing. Because, again, Gary Whitta, let's be clear, Rogue One made Darth Vader scary again. And that's – thank you for that, Gary. Uh, and it's there's something to be said for someone that can make Darth Vader scary again. So, I uh, got some questions, like general podcasting questions, which is I'm, I'm not. It's sort of a confluence of different things. So, here's what I would say: Don't worry about what software you're going to use if you're going to be broadcasting or something. Uh, worry about what you're putting on the file or on the internet, whatever you want to call it. Worry about the content. And when I say that, don't actually worry about it, but concern yourself with what is you're doing. Because I think there's there's a tendency when people first start, you hear yourself speaking and you're like, wow, that's my voice. And, and, and it's usually one of two reactions. That sounds great or that sounds terrible. But then, especially if you're on a show with, like, other people, you're like, oh, it's it's so cool to hear me and my, my friends talking about this. And you get caught up in the mechanics of it and, and sort of the the awe factor, if you will, of, like, we're doing a show. You know, it, it sounds like it's people talking in a room. And it's really easy to get caught up in your feelings of that without thinking about what you're putting down. I've heard new shows do this a lot. This show got a lot better. And I realize the irony of, of I've been talking for 42 minutes straight, right? The irony of this is that, that I, of what I'm about to say is not lost on me. When I felt comfortable with silences. Because sometimes people people behave differently. So I'm kind of rat-a-tat, right? I, my mind's moving a mile, mile a minute. but Like it's going from... Uh, mile a minute that's not even that fast <laughs> whatever uh the i'm moving from thing to thing sometimes i'll be like you know three steps ahead over in the conversation or thinking about where to go this and that and the other thing that can be useful and that can be cool and it can also be completely exhausting and some folks they're more thoughtful perhaps they're more studious 
they consider their answers. Ken Andrews is a good example. That's an incredibly smart dude, the guy from Failure, right? But if uh, I rat-a-tatted him, <laughs> like, that would have been nearly as good of an episode because Ken Andrews is the kind of guy that he's, he thinks about what's said and deeply considers his response, and then, like, he, and he, and he gives you the response. And it took me a while to be comfortable doing that because you have to be have to have a level of comfort with just letting it breathe. And sometimes I maybe still don't. Okay. But it's it's you know, it's a thing. It, it's it's a it's a whole vibe as the kids say. And I think that when you're comfortable letting things breathe that makes for a better show. Something I still do and internally castigate myself when I do it but it's usually because something's relevant to, I don't like to interject too much of myself into the show, which is funny because I, I characterize it as a discussion show to start with. It's not an interview show, it's a discussion show. Okay, and that's true, but it also is an interview show. And I've heard people have incredibly interesting people on and get to like someplace really cool and you're getting into like something really awesome and then they bring up, you know, something completely unrelated and it just kind of diffuses the the momentum. And that's a drag. And again, I understand that I maybe used to do that as well. You know, you, you get better at things. <laughs> Hopefully. I still do I still do it, don't get me wrong. But like there's there's a difference between it being like something that hits nicely at a conversational low where you're adding on, you're adding on, you're adding on, you're adding on, and just kind of, you know, pump, <laughs> hitting the brakes so hard that you, you know, the, the entire show screeches to a halt. And knowing those differences are, are what makes a good broadcaster. So there you go. Uh, let's see. So what kind of microphone? Okay, so this is a Electro Voice... Was it RE20? Yeah, R RF20? What is it? I don't even know the model number of this. It's expensive. I know that. Yeah. Electrovoice RE20. And the nice thing about this is omnidirectional. So for the people that's listening to the podcast, there may be, you may not know, but I can be over here. 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 And it generally sounds the same because but because it's, it's a broadcast style omnidirectional mic. Great microphone. Uh, I would never have gotten this on my own. Never in a million years. I would consider it an extravagant expense, right? Uh, like maybe it comes up with like growing up poor, but I just don't have a lot of. Uh, I just I just don't have the, the the wherewithal to reward myself in that way. I don't think of material possessions as rewards, uh, but it's a broad, it's a broadcast announcers mic. It's it's a dynamic cardio mic. It's a um, it's pretty popular. You've probably seen it on a lot of shows. And this was a gift. Lindsay gave this to me as a gift. I think I used a he's a beta 58 for years and um had some dumbass Radio Shack mic that was like $20 for years. And you know, it, it was <laughs> it's the 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 for me the audio quality of the show increased dramatically when I got this mic to the point I was like wow how did I ever deal with those other mics right now there's anything wrong with the Beta 58 but some of those other ones were just trash and or toys 
but yeah, what I would say is if if you if you can afford to, to get a good mic, get a good mic, but don't let that stop you from making something cool, right? I mean, think about like the best punk rock bands are, you know. It sounds like 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 Pussy Galore, that band. It literally sounds like someone recorded it had a boombox in the room, and that's a great record. And there's plenty of other bands that are like that as well. So it's more important to do it than than to find. I mean, I'm talking about like year six that I got this thing, right? <laughs> this is sort of like I think about uh, Agostino from Uzeda and Bellini. Apparently, it was like there was, there was some kid at a guitar store, and. He said it was like a Valino or something, and like he was like, "Oh, I want to check that out." And like, I guess Agostino was like, "Oh no, no, this guitar is not for you yet. You need to work your way up to this guitar." And I thought that was very funny. Uh, and I, I may be butchering that story, and I don't know uh, because you, you got to work your way up to it. So like, I know people that like look put up as an impossible task for doing a show. Oh, I don't have the perfect condenser or mount or this or that or the other and if you if you go down that route i'll never do anything at all so uh on one hand yeah get a good mic but don't let that be your don't let that be your raison d'etre don't let that be the thing that stops you from making something cool is what i would say let's see what do we got all right laris if you don't have a contact to tony or sam dm me and i'll connect you awesome i will do that uh that's a good good example the amount of people that like I've gotten on personal referrals that are like, Hey, do you want to have such and such on? I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> please, please assist to make that happen. That would be great. Uh, that's not a thing that used to happen. That that's a, uh, that's a post COVID thing. I'm always down for that. And if, if I, if I feel like I'm not the suitable, uh, suitable person to do that, I'll usually say so. And sometimes it's a matter of like, well, can I fit it in? Especially if things are getting uh, crazy, but yeah, I a hundred percent, hundred percent. I will. Absolutely look at that. Let's see. Steve Fisk, how about the headphones? Do you sound good to yourself in your cans? You almost do the FM DJ proximity effect the way you work your mic. Is that intentional? Yes. Yes, that is intentional. And that goes back to the knowing how to broadcast uh, being another tool in, in the set. So I, I used to really crank up the volume big time. For some reason, it gave me... What, I can tell you exactly what it was. I used to do a lot of, um, uh, um, uh, so if I were talking, um, uh, about a thing, I would, uh, um, I hate that. <laughs> it used to be that I wanted to wean myself off it so bad that I cranked everything up really loud. So if I cranked everything really loud, then it would, all the ums and uhs were like very apparent to me. And I basically, it's like it's like a version therapy. It's not quite clockwork orange with the eyes, but it's it's like a version therapy to to be a better broadcaster. And I I like the um I, you know, I I I like the proximity effect personally. It's an acquired taste for sure. It depends on how much compression you use. Ooh, and this is a little very, you know, uh nerd stuff, but I think it works well for this show cuz the thing is with this show I like it to to feel like a natural conversation, but it didn't sound like a, a natural conversation. Because natural conversation, if you're in a bar or a coffee shop or something, you got clinking, clanking going on in the background. There's all this, like, malarkey and noise. Uh, I, I like the ebb and flow, but I don't like people having to strain to hear. So when I do put on uh, – the only post-production I ever do, I, I never edit. I'll do uh, some EQing 
to get rid of some kind of obnoxious uh, stuff in the in the sound curve. And then I'll also put on a, a, just a small small amount of compression to even everything out. Not like a crazy amount. Not like not generally mastering. But a lot of that has to do with the fact that some people have better mic technique than others. And especially if someone's having a good time, maybe they'll lean back a little bit and they'll start kind of wandering over here and then they'll be over there and then they'll come back over here. And that can be a little more work for sure. But I think it, I just I notice the difference when it is and isn't that way. Every so often, it's not really required, but I usually EQ it a little bit. I'll usually compress it a little bit. Uh, I generally like the. I generally like things sounding more. Uh, proximity, though, I'm okay with a little bit. Uh, here's one from Jem. Hey, would you interview any of the underground boutique instrument makers? I'm a nerd and love how many independent makers of amps, pedals, instruments there are. Uh, yeah. Um, I had on Kevin Burkett from Electrical Guitar Company. That was a long time ago. That was like seven years ago, though. So uh, I should probably have him on again. I thought that was good. Uh, I couldn't tell you the thing we talked about. <laughs> couldn't tell you a single thing. Uh, I, I definitely would like to have him on again. I think he's he's an interesting cat. Uh, somewhat misunderstood as well, um, but really Really beautiful, uh, really beautiful dude. I had on, well, when I had on Andrew from Tilts and Torch, we actually talked about effects pedals quite a bit because he was getting into building effects pedals with like Acorn and, uh, you know, the boutique pedal revolution. Yeah, I mean, I, th I find that stuff interesting. I haven't really done tons of it. I kind of feel like there's such a specialty niche for that. There's like entire shows dedicated to that that I almost feel like it's not really my 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 beat, so to speak. But I like doing it, and you know, if people want to hear more of it. I'm I'm down as long as it's interesting. That's the important thing. Um, let's see what else we have. <laughs> oh yeah, let's spend the next sixty minutes talking discussing compression usage. <laughs> It's a privilege, not a right, man. It's like chorus, right? It's a privilege, not a right. That's that's how I would. Uh, that's how I put a gem. Uh, Catterwall memories. Congrats, Catterwall was fantastic. Uh, there's there's every once in a while. I want to be careful since I think the people that are that are engaging with this this episode are, are the diehards. I feel to a certain degree. So I've talked about this before. Sometimes you envision something in your head. Right. And then you're lucky if you don't if you get some kind of, hey, that was pretty close to what I thought that was going to be <laughs> kind of thing. And if you're lucky, you get things in life where the thing that you wanted it to be actually came to pass. It That's the thing. Catterall, after the heartbreak that was 2020. Uh, and everybody having the, the same thing that was going to be in 2020. And it was basically ex it, the same thing, but like with one less day, uh, to see everybody, ha uh, have such a good time and to have it be so many people's first thing back, their first show back. Right. Uh, that, I don't take that lightly at all. And, and, and part of that is we don't, I should say, uh, part of that is people finding their people. Right, people finding their communities. You got bands from all over, and 
playing at with and to each other. And that's always makes me happy. It always makes me happy when I see all the freaks, nerds and weirdos finding each other. And and that's what it was. And it was pretty freaking cool. And it was pretty much exactly what I hoped for. And sure as hell ought to have been after two years, but, (laughs) but yeah, we're going to, we're going to do it again. Please don't talk to me about it until at least September. <laughs> but we're definitely going to do it again. And it, it was it, it landed it landed nicely, even with some weather challenges in the last day. Uh, having it end with with big business moving to the indoor stage in Palmer's did not have that on my bingo card. But it was it was a beautiful moment. And yeah, the whole thing reminded me of why I love live music is, is probably the, the best way I can sum it up. And I, I thought it was pretty darn cool and I, I think if folks want to engage with it next year we might put some of it online i was feeling pretty sassy about that we set up some stuff to do it and just you know whatever didn't really do it but anyway i i have such a complicated relationship with like streaming video online uh but yeah yeah we, we probably will in the future all right, another one from Zach. Zach, given the breadth of your interviews, do you consider yourself something of a music journalist, archivist, curator, or simply a music lover? That is a very good question. Uh, yeah, I've been I've been called some very flattering things by people I respect, like uh, the Library of Congress of punk rock. Well, that was pretty good. <laughs> if, if hyperbolic, I you know I appreciated that. Uh, I, everything comes from a place of love. Everything comes from a place of genuine interest and engagement. And anything that comes out of it that has journalistic value is almost accidental. And and that's funny because I did used to do rock journalism. If you consider zines rock journalism and like the local weekly and whatever, I used to do that in the past and, um, you know, uh, there's something to be said for it. I appreciate when people do it well. I feel like it's almost completely lost art now. I feel like everything is just listicles and regurgitated press releases, and that's too bad because uh, genuine music writing is great. Uh, Everett True did a thing called Clapsboard in the early 2010s. That kind of brought me out of like a semi-retirement to do something along those lines for, for a little bit just because I was so genuinely taken by it. But... You know, there's people that are music journalists and all of, that's not me. I think that there's something, it's hard not to, to when, you, when you dig up the kind of people, dig up, what am I, <laughs> freaking do folkways? No, when you, when you engage with the kind of people that I engage with, it's hard not to think of yourself an archivist in some form. And I say that because I try very hard to counterbalance the episodes with folks you probably do know and folks you should know, right? And sometimes the folks you should know become people you do know. And a lot of other times that doesn't happen. So it's hard not to think of yourself as an archivist in that form. And part of that is because you, I like giving people a chance to talk about their art to someone genuinely interested in it at a deep level that they may not otherwise get a chance to do. And it's not like I'm... <laughs> it's not like social services for for a music interviewing or anything, but like it, that's important to me because I think that it's again I think we're pushed 
the familiar things uh, at us all the time. And, and it's hard not to, it's hard to recognize that sometimes. And I think that there's something to be said for, I don't think that I'm the Library of Congress of punk rock, but, you know, I thought that was a great line. Um, I appreciate that others get something out of the out of the show that, that it feels archival. Because for me, I think there's a difference between, a very intrinsic difference between streaming and podcasting. Uh, the difference with podcasting, to me, is podcasting seems like more of an archival form. Or something like Twitch, which I like and I'm currently broadcasting on, it almost seems like it's meant to be ephemeral. It's meant to be like, <laughs> what's the Blade Runner line? <laughs> like, washed, washed away? Like tears in the rain. Uh, <laughs> that's that's kind of how I feel about uh, a lot of the internet. Is this is meant to be ephemeral, and there's something to be said for being ephemeral, but it's not what I intend to do. When I'm putting something down, no matter what's going on in my life or the world, when I sit down in this chair to do this show, I am 100% engaged with what I'm doing. Sometimes it's easier than others, <laughs> but usually by the time I get going, it's good. And so the idea of it being like, hey, th this is a digital archive of these kinds of talks that you can quote unquote drop the needle and just like pick up a random episode and, and people find some value in that. Th that makes me so happy. That makes me so <sighs> that, that that's that's the dream, man. That That's that's the idea, because the idea is it should be something that. It should be something that provides an avenue of discovery. So, yeah, that, that's a good one. So, all right, what's this? is a long one. Jesus. Let's chat about support. I respect and appreciate your This Is Free stance. Two thumbs up. Thank you. I love the uh, Patreon, but for those who don't use Patreon, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying if you love this episode, drop me a Venmo tip at dot, dot, dot. Just a thought. I would not be offended by messages like that since I think we all know you put a shit ton of time and energy into something we're enjoying. To another 300, I say. Thank you, Laris. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, look, I'm in the weird position where while all shows were canceled, unemployed, unemployment, now I'm coming close to like paying the bills, this show literally kept literally kept the lights on. Pa paid the power bill, paid the internet bill, paid like all of the things for a while. I mean... Um, that's amazing. And, and and on basically what I call the Bernie Sanders model, like the small dollar donation. <laughs> but for me, I have such a problem for me and for me only with paywalling things. I'm just, I'm just, it doesn't feel right for this show. And I can't put it any more simple than that. And I, and I, we talked, I talked to Steve Albini about it. Uh, that's that culture, culture of like, and subscribe. Or cult of like and subscribe. What's it called? I can't remember. It is. <laughs> it's 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 in it's in the archives. Because he said something on a friend show about that. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Because that's at the time where I was sort of like debating about, well, how can I reconcile? You know, get, getting a, you know, we live in a society, right? Getting a little something something for the show, and not being a complete hypocrite. <laughs> right, I mean, it's in it's in the opening uh, theme. You know, uh, uh, there's some really ostentatious thing I say. Uh, could we thumb in the eye to everything that is um, 
I can't even remember. I listen to it every week. I can't remember what it says, but the corporate blah, 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 blah. Anyway, uh, I strongly feel that way. So the idea of like with the Patreon, the advanced access, that's a way I can reconcile it. Also, is a way for me to be like, hey, stop hassling me about when I'm going to put up the such and such episode. <laughs> Which is kind of funny because it's, I you know, it's great to have, it's better to have that than and not have interest, uh, than not have anybody interested. Um, but yeah, you're probably right. You know, if the if you love this episode, drop me a Venmo tip at whatever. That's probably a thing I should do. <laughs> I don't do it. Uh, it's hard. I'm a I'm a horrible capitalist, which is which is so hilarious to me that I've been able to like put together a band that ostensibly like makes money because I'm really not that good at capitalism. And uh, <laughs> tip your bartenders, indeed. That's got to be Forrest, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I should be better at it for as long as I've done it, but I just I don't like doing it. <clears throat> and that's what it comes down to. And, and I've started kind of pushing towards that by doing this like opening spiel where I don't have to think about what it's doing, and it's basically like, hey, if you like it, you know, join the Patreon and get stuff earlier. And, uh, you know, make sure to share it around, all that blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe I should throw that in there. I mean, freedom isn't free, and neither is this show. So <laughs> uh, that's pretty good. All right. Uh, not to jeopardize potential future guests. So bucket list interviews might be an unfair question. But who would you love to interview who is no longer with us? That is a very good question. So... Well, I can tell you one of my one of my biggest regrets is I wanted to have Vern on, and I think I should have done it, and I don't know, and I think it's because uh, <laughs> it is the Bill Hicks in me. Yeah, you're right, <laughs> totally. Uh, I should have done it, and I didn't, and I don't know why. Uh, I felt really terrible about it when he passed because I feel like that's a dude that never got to tell his story. And I knew it because I've been friends with them for like 20 years, right? But I, I feel a lot of regret for that. And that's not something that I'm ever not going to feel regret about. Andy Gill, that would have been amazing. I kind of approached him about it. He was into it. But I never really followed up for that. Um, let's see. I feel like somebody, oh, I wanted to have Lanigan on again. I know that sounds like, <laughs> sounds like, hey, you already had him on. It was pretty good. Uh, I think, I think I could have gotten, he's done so much stuff. I think, I think him being familiar with who I am and like us having the rapport that we have from the other episode, I think we, I could have pulled some kind of cool stuff out of him. And I think it would have, would have been different because as much as I got, at least three negative iTunes reviews about my laugh, which is not a thing that I can help. Thank you very much. Uh, that episode was the first episode to do major numbers and kind of propel the show into a new category. And I just think that ah, he was, he's a fascinating fella. Like it'd be real interesting to have him on. Uh, anyone else that, that like, yeah, I'm trying to think of there, there was someone else. Hmm. There was someone else recently. That pat that passed and I was and I was like ah should have had them on I can't I can't remember who it was I can't remember who it was at all but it 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 happens I mean 
it's going to happen eventually to everyone, right? Um, oh, I doubt he ever would have done it, but God damn, I would have loved to have Marky e. Smith on. <laughs> that would have been incredible. <laughs> I think I think that would have that could have gone multiple ways, but I think it would have been it wouldn't have been boring, right? Um, yeah, uh, I think I I was going to well well I can't tell that story. Never mind. Uh, there, there, there's <laughs> there's something that was going to happen and it went south, but that's for another day. Um, and, and I'm fine talking about bucket list stuff. I mean. Iggy Pop, Kathleen Hanna, uh, Greg Sage, John Reese, who's agreed to do the show, but it was like six years ago. <laughs> so somebody grabbed John Reese. Text Rick Froberg, do it, you know? Froberg's been on. Uh, those are those are a few of them. I actually have a list. And it's not just dudes. I'd love to have Annie Clark on. I, I think St. Vincent's amazing. And I... I dare say it would be one of the better Annie Clark interviews because I just am I'm a big fan of what she does. Uh, let's see. And, you know, if you know these people, like, get them in touch, you know. Oh, Rick Nielsen. Jesus, what I love to have Rick Nielsen on. God damn it. Come on, Rick. <laughs> it's like a, sounds like a future left song. Uh, Josh Homme, that'd be cool. He doesn't do this kind of stuff much. Kim Deal. Would love to have Kim Deal on. Patton, uh, John Darnell, the Mountain Goats. We know like a million of the same people. I would love to have him on. Joan Jett. I think I'd, I could do a really good job with Joan Jett. Uh, Steve Jones. He's got that book out. I could probably leverage that. Uh, Kate Pearson of the B-52s. I would love to talk to. I'm going to call him out. I've, I've Fred Schneider was going to appear on the show twice, and... Didn't happen. It went up in smoke. So, but but I'd love to have that. Love to have Fred on. I was just talking about just Fred with um, Russell Simmons of uh, Service and John Spencer Blues Explosion because he played on that record and produced it, helped produce it. And um, yeah, interesting cat. I would love love to talk to Fred Schneider, Mike Campbell, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. That'd be good. Lee Ronaldo, Sonic Youth. Um, yeah, I got a long list. I. Glenn Matlock has agreed from the Sex Pistols has agreed to be on the show. I just gotta lock him down, man. <laughs> Some people are hard to schedule. I think I think you're right. I think Rick Nielsen would totally do it. Like he just seems like he's he'd be game for it, right? I mean, if you've ever seen the um, I don't know if it's like real guitar or something. It's basically they're running around with his. Uh, running around his, his house, I guess his guitar museum. That uh, it, it, it's incredible. It's like twenty minutes, and it's just it's the deepest guitar nerdery ever. But the depth of field for all of it is pretty astounding. I mean, like it's it's kind of kind of amazing. Like it's it's extremely my stuff. I think he would do it. I think he would do it. I should probably ask him. He's not getting any younger, right? Um, anyone knows how to get a hold of Rick Nielsen? I guess let me know. <laughs> All right, what else? What do you, what else do you want to talk about? What's what's um anybody got anything else? Let's see, I got a couple couple DMs. These are, these are bigger pain because I gotta kind of look over here and it feels awkward and weird. That's the other thing. I used to feel really um really weird. I just said numb. Just uh really weird about uh jumping around to and enough 
find information out, and I've gotten better about just kind of doing it on the sly now. Uh, let's see. Dave Ketching. I would love to have Dave Ketching on again. Dave was on with uh, – I love Dave Ketching. He's, he's one of my favorite humans. He's great. He uh, was on when Josh was co-hosting the show, and I feel like that was a really good episode. But, yeah, I would love to have Dave Ketching on. Actually, that – episode and interaction and subsequent conversations afterwards is what eventually led to household gods which a lot of people don't know because nobody had thought to ask and probably wasn't a lot of interest in that information but uh there has been very a lot of things uh that have transpired from folks being on the show not the least of which is some folks have become actual friends and that's pretty cool and especially when it's Someone you like grew up listening to or something, right? Like, there's, <laughs> but it makes sense. I mean, if you have like a conversation with someone and like it's, it's deeper and um, more insightful than maybe you normally have. Uh, yeah, you know, why not? Let's see. Make a way that we can call on a credit card donation instead of the current option. So operators are standing by. Uh, let's see. <laughs> I'm not going to do Venmo or Patreon. Not going to happen. Make other ways to send us money that work for us. I'm open. Look, I, I, I mentioned freely that I'm terrible at the money thing, right? Um, and also, it's not that I don't need it. Like, there's others that need it more. But, okay. Um, what do people get? Send it a check? Like, what do people do? <laughs> I don't understand. Like, what, like uh, I don't get it. But, anyway. Um, other folks have on... Some of the good book authors, James Burns, Let's Go to Hell, Scatter Memories of the Butthole Surfers, some of the great photographers. Yeah, I would love to have, a, like, a Charles Peterson on. That'd be amazing. Uh, yeah, I, I love I love all the, the punk rock photo books and all that stuff. I mean, I, if you ever heard of the Jennifer Finch from L7 episode, we pretty much geeked out about photography for about 20 minutes. Uh, and that's I, I stand, by my, stand by my record. I think that... The book author thing is is interesting. Uh, I think it wasn't Protonic. It was the show before Protonic. It was the show You Can't Stop the Signal. But we had on the guy who who's uh, he's done so much stuff since then. But it's the at the time we had him on for uh, Winner's History of Rock and Roll. It's this guy Stephen Hyden. He used to write for The Onion and all sorts. Of, and he's done like. He was like Rolling Stone or something. He worked for he worked for Grantland, if you remember that Grantland, everybody, Grantland, everybody, uh, which is long gone. But it was like I think it was like a sports sports and pop culture thing. It was like an ESPN thing. But anyway, they let him into and he did this this um, wasn't a book, but it was like a I think it eventually became a podcast. But but it was a uh, like long form article, like not listicle, but like real long article that talked about seven different bands that were like the the biggest amongst their uh, in their respective areas eras like zeppelin kiss bon jovi aerosmith metallica lincoln park which was annoying and black keys and it was real it was real cool and so that was that was an episode of uh the of you can't stop the signal that that wasn't that wasn't um that wasn't this this show oh man i guess freaking I hate that. Facebook is the worst. Sorry. Uh, it was cool. I thought it was good. I thought, I, I, but it's, 
now that I have a format, I get wary of string too far from it. Uh, but I think if there was something that felt right, that would be good. I, I've done lots of, like, rock. Like, I probably wouldn't have known to have John Fine on until he wrote that book, which I thought was amazing, the uh, the John Fine book. Um, even though I think I think the episode's only okay. I was dealing with a lot of technical difficulties at that time. I was, like, in between studios. So I think I, I, think I did it from the practice space, if you will. And uh, I thought it was good, uh, but that's a... Your band sucks. What I saw at Indie Rocks failed revolution. Paren, but can no longer hear. In paren, I thought that was really good because it, this was a different kind of autobiography. Like it was, it was done very differently. I, I'd be down for having book people on. I mean, it's whatever. Like moving into year nine, over three hundred episodes. Let's get weird. <laughs> but I don't know. That's my take on it. I, I don't. Know. I'm still just gonna only have on people I'm interested in. Um, all right. What else? Uh, what else? What else do you guys want to hear? Like, what else do you guys want to hear except for all the stuff that I'm that I'm doing here? Uh, lots of do it, do it. Okay, do that. I don't know what you're referring to. Um, I we started doing this thing again using the royal we, where I just kind of throw up an episode from the archives on the the Twitter and stuff, and uh, that's kind of a way to sort of gently encourage people to check out the archives. Hope that's not too obnoxious. Uh, would I have Lydia Lunch on and discuss her cooking book? I had Lydia Lunch fucking booked on this show, and she canceled on me. And now she um, now she has her own show, The Lydian Spin, which is quite good. And I would love to have her on. I think Lydia Lunch is, is super interesting, super cool. <laughs> Last time I talked to Bob Burt, he's like, yeah, she probably won't do it. She's real busy with her show. I'm like, no, nah, I get it. I get it. But maybe she'll change her mind. Um, I don't know. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. I would love – Lydia Lunch is more than welcome on this show. And I have a hilarious Lydia Lunch story that involves a bathroom. And we'll just leave it at that. Do I have – do I have a favorite music documentary? Wow. I have a list of all my favorite music documentaries. I gotta say that Sparks doc that came out, the Edgar Wright one last year, is is amongst them. It's pretty freaking incredible, and I think it, it serves the purpose that a good documentary should. Where if you don't know anything at all about the content, you can watch that movie and be and be like, ah, I see why people enjoy that band. Uh, additionally. Talk about God, talk about bucket list people. I have shot my shot to have Sparks on. And the answer was not no. So bucket list, Ron and Russell Mail, come on Protonic Reversal. Please. It will be a very good time, I assure you. Uh, I think those, those guys are very blissfully not on social media. <laughs> so I think that's, you know... Good for, good for them. Uh, they tend to go for more like, legacy media stuff, but I mean, gosh, let's 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 be real. Like that's one of my favorite bands of all time. That would be pretty pretty good. I, that would that would be some. That is the, the fact that I didn't put it on my actual. I have a file that's like basically bucket list photographer guest. Uh, says a lot. Other ones, um, the death documentary is really great. 
I like that four-hour Tom Petty one, <laughs> which is pretty funny. Um, the Melvins one is great. Uh, the Brainiac one is really great. The Ouija Amicano, that is that's an incredible one. I like that one a lot. That's probably one of my favorites. Why am I doing this? Counts. Uh, spoiler alert, I'm in it. But I think that that's it's not about any one band. I think that's what makes it special. I really like 20,000 Days on Earth, which is kind of like a weird sort of a biopic and kind of like something different as well. Um, I like Flight 666, where singer from Iron Maiden is flying everyone around all these different places. That made me actually very interested in uh, checking out Iron Maiden for the first time in my life. There's a Glenn Campbell documentary called I'll Be Me, where you basically get to watch him deal with having Alzheimer's. And he never forgets the guitar solos, but he forgets the lyrics and forgets his family, which, oh, my God, it's 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 heartbreaking. That's really good. Uh, the Motown documentary is really good. I mean, I could sit here and talk about fucking music docs all day long. Like, there's there's so many great ones. And, and I'll even – I'll watch a mediocre m- music doc. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's – that's something that I'm like, all right, fine. Like, there's, like, bands that I don't really care that much about that I've watched a music documentary on. I was like, oh, that was pretty good. You know, and but there's some bands that are just pretty too far, for sure. Color of Noise, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What's funny? First time I had Hazelmeyer on, it was right when Color of Noise came on, but I didn't get a chance to see it beforehand. So I was sort of like, oh, you got this documentary out? That's uh, how is it? <laughs> you know, I still have never seen Hype all the way through. I've only seen it a little bit. I keep meaning to see it. Um, I, I, I have no idea why. It's, it's like a cultural blind spot for me i need to see hype hired gun so hired gun (laughs) so hired gun about session musicians getting screwed over throughout history is interesting a little sad absolutely and also when we were tracking so i saw that and when we were tracking i think maybe dark passengers i can't remember we uh that was like on demand or wherever we were staying so i threw it on because tony hadn't seen it i'm like oh you got you gotta watch this this is you know this is an interesting interesting film and it was but what i love is everyone kept being like oh but all the sidemen oh you know what if they got together and had their own band boy that that'd be the best band ever and then you see (laughs) you see all of the you see them do it right they have these like jam sessions with all these like just contract killer level musicians and it's just, it's the worst thing you've ever heard. It's so bad. <laughs> like, it sounds like Guitar Center. You know what I mean? And, like, I found that deeply hilarious. As much as I actually enjoyed uh, seeing the story of all these session musicians and also was annoyed at seeing all of them, you know, basically get screwed over, uh, the jam sessions were, were delightful because they're not. It's not great. Not great. Uh, but, yeah, I, I enjoyed the movie quite a bit. Uh, have I seen Last Days Here about Pentagram? It's been on my watch list for forever. I don't know why I haven't seen it. <laughs> I have no idea why. It's it's one of those ones that just sits on my watch list that I just never have an excuse to get around it. I don't know. I don't know why. Uh, I you know I, black metal's a tough sell for me. But again, I'll go back to what I said before. Documentaries are. I like documentaries. I'll watch a documentary about a, about bands I don't like. So, Driver Twenty Three. What is that? Atlas Moth, Atlas Moth Driver 23. Atlas Moth Driver 23. What does that mean? Is that is that a is that a documentary, Steve? <laughs> I don't know what that means. Um, are those are those two movies? Yeah, whatever. I'll I'll work it out later. Sorry, this is the, this is where having a producer would help. They could like Google that for me. 
Uh, Atlas Moth, that sounds familiar. I thought that was a band, right? Isn't that a, it's an insect and it's a band, I think. I don't know. It was the Atlas Moth. This is the band. Okay. Well, whatever. Took this show to a grinding halt. All right. Um, yeah, I, I love I love music docs. Uh, do I have a favorite one? I don't know. We Jam or the Sparks documentary. I guess uh, flip a coin. <laughs> All right. Anything else? Let's see. Uh, I'm trying to crazy dude from here. Okay. Oh, is that? Um, oh, oh, is that uh, the guy from? That's not the guy from Crucifix, right? No, didn't he rename himself a number? I think like uh, there's that. I think that was a Sam McFeeders. Uh, that was a Sam McFeeders Vice article or something, if I remember correctly. I, I, lo- I mean, I love the Crucifix. That, that's a incredible band. Incredible band. Like really great. And I think that's uh, that's worthwhile. Let's see. Pincus said no to what? I've had Pincus on. He was good. I totally thought that. I thought that was gonna be a wildly different dude than he was. <laughs> I thought he was going to be Uncle Meth, and he was just the, the, the sweetest, sweetest guy. Great dude. Really, uh, really awesome guy. Uh, let's see. What else? There's a lot of stuff I'm collating here. Much love from Australia. Yes, yes, yes. We love Australia. It's good. I don't like Pentagram, but Last Days Here is really good. Okay, I'll check it out. Like It's, it's, it's never left the watch list, so... I got that going for me. Um, yeah, so what else do you guys want to know? Anything? <laughs> Seems like a lot, right? This is it's it's a lot. To, I see, here's the thing. I feel like this is what Twitch streamers do all the time. They just like sit here and they like react to stuff. And it, I, honestly, this is more enjoyable than I thought it would be because I thought this was basically going to be me talking to myself. And while that is also in fact true, uh, this has actually been a lot of fun. Uh, but uh, if, if, if there's anything else, I don't think really need to prolong it. Um, Pinkus is brilliant. His delivery is subtle. Uh, Dan Cleveland, really insane guy. A lot of pulleys and weird action. Okay. Oh, I see. So, so Pinkus said no to the Butthole Surfers documentary. Oh, okay. All right, all right. Interesting. Yeah, I know he's got um. Yeah, he's got thoughts about the Azrad book too. <laughs> <laughs> Since you like Unsane Jesus Lizard, I think you really like Chat Pile if you've not been recommended. Uh, we've played with them twice, and uh, they're they're great. They're really they're 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 a great band, and they're sweet Oklahoma boys. Like they're that's the best thing I can say about them. They are um, they they sound like Oklahoma, but in a good way, in a way that should make Oklahomans proud. And uh, yeah, I, I think that it's great that people are. Digging on what they do, um, Austin especially is a sweetheart. But they're all uh, they're all very cool. I guess I could have those bros on, right? I have like newer noise rock bands on. I haven't even thought about it till like right now. Maybe oh, maybe I'll do that. Actually, um, oh god, what's his name? The singer uh, really <laughs> took me aside at Caterwall and told me how much he loved the uh, Joe Carducci interview. Uh, which which is great. I did too. Drew Carducci is amazing. How could you not? Uh, okay, so let's see this. Driver 23 was a story of a Minneapolis metal band. Ah, one man's struggle against lies, stupidity, and ignorance. Atlas Moth was a follow-up. DVD only. Really? Okay. Well, that sounds interesting. Okay. I don't know either one of those. I, I have 
We no longer have a VCR, but I do have the ability to play DVDs and, and Blu-ray, so I will uh, I will look at both of those things. Let's see. Julie, new movies. New movies start coming out with David with Gibby and Yao premiere at the Chicago Underground Film Festival. Oh yeah, what is that thing called? That's a that's not a documentary though. That's like a narrative fiction. I, I saw him post something about that today. Looks interesting. I loved his role in uh, Under the Silver Lake. Yeah, that is not Gibby. And um, I think he's a good actor. He had a when I had him on, he was alluding to something, and it was that he's in the Toxic Avenger remake, which. I would not think of that as a movie to be remade, but I'm sure he will be great in it, and I'm interested in seeing what that, uh, what shakes out. How about that? David Yao's like pivot to acting. How crazy is that? I mean, why not, right? But, and I love how like Shannon kind of tried to, and um, didn't work out, and he just was like he tried it, didn't like it, yeah, no problem. I've played EGC guitars for some for quite some time now. What do you like about them beyond a conventional mahogany guitar? Uh. It is all about the sustain. Sustain. It really is. Uh, and it's it's the thinner neck. Takes some getting used to. It is a lifestyle change. When, when I play a wood guitar now, it really it seems like I'm grasping a tree trunk, basically. <laughs> like it's just like, oh my god, oh my god, what's happening? Uh so it, it kind of changes the way you play a little bit. But by the same token, uh, for me, it was for the better. And there was something that just felt like playing it for the first time felt like a finely tailored suit. And you have to realize that I, this comes from someone that most of my life I played very interesting junk, but junk guitars. Like basically guitars that never were worth more than like $300. Um, they never. <sighs> you know they're always being repaired <laughs> because i was just destroying them with my acidic sweat so to have something that's like really nice where it's like yeah it's I, I used to be like oh it's the nicest thing i own and it's probably still true uh he doesn't do customs anymore because my electric guitar company guitar is a custom of my 300 squire jagmaster that i toured this dumb country on many times over and rotted out literally every part of at least once and it's it's sort of like i call it the evolved caveman because it's based on that 300 hundred dollar guitar and he doesn't do customs anymore but he, he loved doing that one in fact i think he was going to make one for um tolan from magpies but he stopped making customs and i get it you know he's got problems with uh delivering Guitars to people as it is. The last thing he needs to do is get back in the custom business. And, and he's also charging what they're worth, <laughs> which he should have done a long time ago. <laughs> Love you, Kevin. <laughs> uh, let's see. Love to hear a compilation show of the most insane tour stories. The really, really funny ones. Yeah, that'd be good. I feel like there's been some good. I, I also feel like uh, I had uh, John Wisniewski on from Akimbo. In Sandwriter recently, he has a show called Tomorrow We Die, and that's sort of like what that show is. But it's not necessarily the really, really funny ones. Some of them are just demoralizing. But like they're, they're, they're uh, the the comedy is contextual. Like the comedy is like in context, 
and I, I think that's a great show. I, I consider it. I think I called it my stoner cousin show. <laughs> Not even that they're 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 stoners necessarily, but I thought that was funny, and that seemed to stick. Uh, but yeah, I could I could do a. Uh, well, or, or let's put it this way. A compilation of that could be done from this show. I don't know if I'd have the time to do it. Maybe I'd hit up Forrest to do it. <laughs> but that could that could be cool. I also feel like that's, to a certain degree, the why am I doing this documentary is kind of that as well. But it's, it's got a different purpose. But, uh, yeah, you know, I'm into it. I feel like there's – that's a pretty good go-to, you know, if you, if you want to have a break in the conversation. There's always at least one – if not 1,000 crazy tour stories or something that people can have an adverse or adversarial uh, in- engagement with or um, uh, have just some kind of like pleasant surprise. I don't know. Sometimes that one works. Sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes it's just like, burr, burr. it's just like some folks you get into like lyric writing. They're like, I've been waiting my entire life for this. Let's go. And some people are, like ah, you know, I don't, I don't know what I was thinking. Like, great, this is gonna be fun. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's everybody's, it's everybody's, not everybody's deal. So that's fine. Why am I doing this? Is a great doc. Yes, I agree, Zach. It's, it's. Uh, if you haven't seen, it, I think it just crossed three hundred thousand views. Uh, and it's on YouTube. It's free. You don't have to charge anything, or you don't have to buy anything. Let's see. What else have we got? <laughs> it's like a killer nerd convention, Jim. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't see that one. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what this show is, too, right? I mean, like, it's 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 a certain degree of nerdery. Don't get me wrong. That reminds me. Somebody was like, when I started doing this show as video, somebody's like, oh, I thought you would look like Dave Scott Stone. <laughs> Which, for those who haven't met Dave Scott Stone, he's a... Uh, who's amazing and uh, i wish this connection had been such trash when i had him on um peace and love peace and love but he's a lanky dude he's he's a, he's a tall lanky um lanky guy you know like a more stylish version more stylish modern version of like someone that could be in you know uh, revenge of the nerds or something like just very much like a i mean he's like a badass at what he does but like if from outward appearance if you just saw him walking down the street First of all, you'd probably think he was the the what if the drummer for the Black Keys. I forget that guy's name. Um, someone someone thought I would look like that. I'm like I don't know how to take that. <laughs> like, it's not like he's not a handsome dude. It's just that, like I, I'm. He's like an elf and I'm a dwarf. Like he's like tall and lanky. Like I'm kind of squat. You know, Scottish Highlander, like my torso. <laughs> I don't. I don't even know why I'm bringing this up, but uh, I don't know when else is gonna come up. I was like. Uh, he reminds me of Jarvis Cocker. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can see that. Absolutely. But we're like completely different style dudes. <laughs> and it, it'd be interesting, like, you know, like a study study in contrast, right? But us guys standing together. I, I was supposed to hang out with them when we were in L.A. last time. I forgot. Cool story. Anyway. Um, but, yeah, that, that's so, I mean, I'm moving the show to video, right? It seems like people have gotten a lot out of it. And there's people now that only watch this on, like, YouTube which blows my mind. Uh, but hey, you know, whatever's clever. The technology got there. None of this stuff was around when I started this show. Literally none of it was around. I mean, most of my solutions are hardware solutions. So when people ask me like, you know, 
podcasting advice would be like, like, look, don't do it how I do it. How I do it's crazy. <laughs> You've got like wires hanging down, cables, and it look, like it looks like the TARDIS in here. It's like, it's just like fucking awooga, awooga, like it's a Rube Goldberg machine <laughs> running this show. And it's it's you can do this stuff on you can literally do this stuff on a cell phone now. Which is amazing. So, I mean, and, and that's what it comes down to. It's like, it's like, I'm for it. Go make something cool, right? Like, it's never been easier. Go make something cool. Like, I don't feel threatened by that. I, I'm very comfortable with me and my Rube Goldberg machine <laughs> doing, doing my show. I'm also, can, and can I just say, can I just say, I'm also glad, like, it isn't a niche for be like, hey, y'all remember the 90s? It, I think this show would be, like, a lot popular if it did have, like, a narrow focus like that but that's not who I am and that's not what this show is and I think the people that hang with it know that and there's always some people who will have like some legend from the 70s or something like what the hell is this thing who's this guy where's he get off talking this way and that's a uh, that's deeply hilarious to me and I, I you know like whatever I don't unless someone gets insulting or mean about it I never take it to heart or anything but I think that it's kind of funny that for a lot of people that don't come from punk rock, they don't have a level of engagement like this, right? Your closest would probably be like a David Letterman or something. Who's the king? I mean, I, I adore David Letterman. Uh, and then, you know, later on, like Conan O'Brien and uh, the other Conan. I still got a show, though. <laughs> He's got a podcast. And, uh, you know, a few others, but for the most part, like, you just don't get that kind of engagement, right? It's, let alone someone that can freely dish the nonsense uh so the fans sometimes almost take it like as a proxy insult which is like come on dude <laughs> like 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 insulting like listen did you listen to the content of what is being said like oh i'm sorry i didn't like mute myself and oh i'm uh, apologize for speaking sir yeah fuck off <laughs> The reason I subscribe to your podcast is because of its authenticity. You don't co-op nostalgia. Fucking a right. Thank you, Zach. I I mean, so many people do that, and some of it's good. Some of it's not my my thing, right? And and the nostalgia industrial complex blows my mind, and that is not what this show is. And I try to make that pretty clear, but I think that it's it's in the the work product. It's in the work ethic. Uh, I don't know. I hope that comes across because, you know, I, I take it very seriously. Don't get me wrong. But it's also meant to be irreverent. And, and I think that, that, can come off, that can come off as disrespectful sometimes. And I think I've only really stepped in it maybe two two or three times <laughs> and both and those are both funny stories uh and, and one of them one of them was an edit <laughs> i took it out it's one of the only times i've done it and it wasn't it wasn't because the person was uncomfortable with it it's because i was uncomfortable with it and I, I i just took something too far and my decency and lack of hubris oh i yeah i just i spoke out of turn for it was it, 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 and it wasn't uh, it wasn't mean. It just was. It was inappropriate. 
That's it. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> but it was someone, I'll put it this way. It was someone who doesn't often have that kind of thing said to them. <laughs> but I took it too far. And, it, and most importantly, it wasn't funny. So, you know, whatever. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take, right? Wayne Gretzky. Uh, I wasn't going to go with all this. Um, yeah, I hope the show comes across as decent, you know, and lack of hoopers. I mean, when I started this, it literally was just me being like, what's the thing I can do when I'm not playing music to keep myself sane? And that's still true. Well, the sane, sanity parts may be arguable. But it's still true, and and it's turned into its own its own thing to the point now that I get people coming up at shows we play talking about the show, which is a great time to like have a proton reversal sticker or button around or something, right? But uh, yeah, I think that uh, <laughs> lack of hoopers, <laughs> like Bill Hooper. <laughs> hey, Bill. <laughs> I, I think that. Uh, Again, and I, and I said it way earlier on, it's generally a passive medium. So to find people get some value and soulless, soulless out of it is, is huge for me. I mean, that's, you know, to which you're usually like, yeah, hey, cool, me too. <laughs> but, I, but I mean it. Like, I, I don't take that lightly at all. I think that that's a, that's a great comfort. The, te- <laughs> the text-to-speech is having fun. Got it. <laughs> all right. Yeah, yeah. Lack lack of hoopers didn't seem like a uh, didn't seem like a, th- a hot topic, but the fact that I had a question mark on it, I appreciated that. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, and um, okay, so someone's someone's asking about merchandise. Um, I don't know, man. Like, you want T-shirts of a podcast? All right, I made T-shirts for stupider crap. <laughs> I mean, I th- for me, the stickers seem like a bridge too far, but those those are pretty popular, especially considering there's no real way to get them unless I literally am reminded to mail them to people or they're given away at the Secret Friends merch table. <laughs> Lack of hoopers would be a great band name, Andy. Yeah, you're right. Uh, if people – if there was legit – uh, desire for merchandise. So, Julie, this could be a perfect example for um, if you want to support the show but don't want to do a Patreon or Venmo or any of that. Uh, I guess we could do T-shirts, <laughs> like or uh, sweatshirts or whatever. Uh, or, or yeah, Proton Conversal T-shirt cannon. Thank you for us. There's a T-shirt design in my DMs. Should I be excited or scared or both? <laughs> Please bring the secret friends in Massachusetts. It'll happen. I, I, we're gonna be uh, we're October. We're doing a thing in Peekskill, and we're gonna do a couple of things around it. I'm not sure if we're gonna get to Massachusetts a lot. If it's not this time, it'll definitely be next year. I am so overdue for playing Northwest. It's not even funny. Why can't I see any of these questions? Because this is broadcasting like five different formats. It's like uh. You ever see that office episode with a woof where it's like woof and then like you know he pushes the button and like the phone starts ringing the fax machines going and all that. that's what i feel like this show does now it's like spread over a million things uh <laughs> both i should be scared and excited okay cool <laughs> uh yeah i mean massachusetts I, I we drove through it 
in 2019, just like we drove through Maine and um, whatever the way back from Canada, for me to pick up the Don Cab Cab. Oh, Ian Williams. I, I want to have Ian Williams on. Uh, that'd be good. I haven't. Have I asked him? I don't know if I asked him. I bought a guitar cab off him, though. So I literally own the Don Cab Cab. That's cool. Paying attention to the man behind the curtain. Try not to. Uh, let's see. What else we got? Uh, okay, people are making connections in the chat. That's good. What else you guys want to know? I think we should I'd probably wrap this up fairly quickly. It's probably enough. Uh, very close to Wooster. Nice. Uh, Zach, do you know Hoag? That band Hoag? Uh, Matt Parrish was on the show. We used to, my old band Replicator, we played with Hoag a lot. And um, Neptune, that was another band that we played with a lot in Massachusetts. Always, I thought I thought our Boston shows were always better than our New York shows, frankly, which always gets a cheer from Boston crowds. Uh, hellscape to drive drive in, of course, but uh, I like Boston. It's It's been way too long. I like that whole Massachusetts-ish area. I've never played New Hampshire. That's That's on my list. I have my list of uh, states I've not played in. I've never played New Hampshire or Maine. Never played Florida. Never played Alaska or Hawaii. And I think that's it. So got to catch up on that. Just got Melvin's in Providence last Tuesday. Nice. I, bet that was awesome. I mean, I know that was awesome. It's probably exactly the same set I saw on Tuesday. Uh, but... They are, uh, yeah, they're, they're killing it. This is a great set. Oh, they never disappoint. Hope that means you got to see Helms Lee as well. Helms Lee were absolutely fantastic and always are old friends. I have only seen one show in New Hampshire. Okay, well maybe they don't have shows. I mean, I know. Speaking of Melvins, I know they did it for that Fifty States in Fifty Days thing. You know, I just want to cross off the last ones on my list so I can say that I've done it, but. <laughs> But then I also have to define if it's if it's this band or just any band. If it's if it's just this band, I probably have about twenty to go. But uh, you know, I, I just like that you can actually tour again. And I, I know that, that some people have bitched about the well, bitching is that's kind of a mean way to put it. Talked about the the uh, little more of the inconsistency of the regularity of the shows of late, and all I can say is that. Uh, I've I've missed touring like a like a missing limb, so I'm gonna do my best to kind of keep it going. Uh, it's always hard to get people on in the summer. I actually have a huge backlog, and there's a bunch of stuff coming up that's really cool. Uh, some of us been waiting for a while, um, but yeah, yeah. Todd Ritman, please. Todd Ritman uh, was on, but like, Christ, a million years ago, like episode twenty or something. Uh, I should totally have Todd on though. Civilizations have risen and fell since last he was on. Uh, Rachel from Flipper, please. And Frightwig. Somebody suggested that. <laughs> Basically, when I had Steven on, every, it's like, how about Ted? How about Rachel? How about, I'm like, well, I'd love to have all mine. I, Ted Falcone keeps telling me no, but he's very nice about it. Like, Ted Ted is the, the sweetest dude, but, like, he um, barely. <laughs> well, he was on tour. What am I going to do? I'll, I'll have him on for a real show. That's, that, that's a good... I'll have Todd Ritman on for a real episode. Like five minutes from the van. Yeah, I don't You know what? All those early episodes kind of run together for me. I mean, I had Brian Giles on too, but did I? <laughs> like, I think either of us remember. Gibby? I'd have Gibby Haynes on. Sure. Hook it up, man. I mean, I guess I could text Pinkus and ask him, but... 
the fine gentleman from Lightning Bolt. I would love to have either Lightning Bolt on. I think that'd be great. Um, yeah, love that band. That's and I guess uh, Chippendale does was a Black Puss that literally everyone. There's like two dudes on Noise Rock now that feel like they have to bring up that band literally every time somebody posts Reptoid, and that annoys me. But I'm sure that's fine too. Uh, Ted is amazing. I would love, 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 love. Maybe you know some folks you just keep asking, and they say yes eventually. So maybe I'll just wear Ted Falcone down, and we'll do it. Maybe since Steven has done it, maybe he'll do it now. I'd have Rachel on. I'd have talk to her about Frightwig. It'd be amazing. Uh, sure. Yep. So let's see. I don't want to turn this into just people naming off people that they like. That this should be booked on the show. Oh, Justin Broderick. Funny you mentioned that. Funny you mentioned that, Bill. September. I've <laughs> we've we've had four. Four times that we had a date and we had to move it. Uh, I had to move a couple times. He had to do it a couple times. Uh, it's happening though, and I should. And I announced it on another show like an idiot, and then we had to reschedule it. But it's happening uh, this fall. There's a couple other really good, good things this fall. Uh, John Dwyer would be a cool talk. Yeah, I know that dude from way back when. Um, I know him from San Francisco. He's not really a dude on the internet right now, so I'd have to, someone have to hook up the phone number. But uh, yeah, I'd love to have Dwyer on. So, I mean, that's, that's a pretty, that's another pretty relentless dude. So be two relentless dudes being relentless at each other. I think it'd be good though. Uh, yeah, that is, I I agree. I agree, Bill. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess (laughs) we could just sit here and throw out people that are cool. I mean, Kathleen Hanna, can, can a brother get a hookup? Seriously. Kathleen Hanna, come on Protonic. Jesus. I'd love to have Toby on, too. I'd love to have Kathy. Anyone from Bikini Co. Um, but I would love to have Kathleen Hanna. Also, Iggy Pop. Come on, man. <laughs> Come on. Do the show. And Sparks. But that's... that's that's. If I can't get Greg Sage, who has agreed to do it, but like that was years ago and then like whoosh, off the face of the planet, um, the Sparks Brothers would be pretty damn incredible. Gotta say. All right, so yeah, yeah, I don't want this to be like have so and so on, have so and so on, have so and so on. But I, I do it too, and I like a little bit of it, just not a lot of it. This has been episode three hundred of Code of Neutron's Protonic Reversal. This was a lot of fun. I, I hope you guys enjoyed it. This, this is. I tried to think of something cool and something awesome that wasn't like a million years of work for me, and I came up with this, and I thought it was kind of a, a risky proposition, but y'all made it very fun. Thank you so much for engaging with me on it, and uh, hope y'all got something out of it. Um, yeah, I guess I should just. I guess I guess I just do the spiel, huh? <laughs> I feel out of sorts. I feel like I've been doing all the talking. Uh, <laughs> so here you know a guy named Copernicus. Are you talking about Cop Johnson? Cop Johnson. Amazing. <laughs> Cop Johnson. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> all right. Now, now you know it's time to go after that. Uh, all right. Zach, thank you so much for everything you do as a musician. It's really inspiring hearing your interviews. Thanks much, Knight. Thank you for listening, everybody. When I find the song, I'm going to play that and, and do the spiel. Oh, man, the logistics of this have become so di- I used to have a soundboard. I guess technically I kind of still do, but anyway. 
um, yeah, man. <sighs> the name of the show is Conan and Trump's Proton Reversal. If you, get, if you got the video version, you can see that because it's located like three times. This show airs Thursdays, 8 Eastern, 7 Central, 6 Mountain, 5 Pacific on RadioNope.com, YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, twi- uh, Twitter, Woof.com, <laughs> all of the things. Um, yeah, thanks so much for listening to it. Thanks so much for engaging all the great questions. Uh, this was this was more enjoyable than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Truth told. I thought this was going to be indulgent. This didn't feel that indulgent. So thank you for. Thanks for doing that. You can find this show for free, always, 100% of the time. ProtonCreversal.com. Always free. No ads, no sponsors. No kidding. But if you like the show, Want to support it? Want to get episodes sooner? Patreon.com slash Reversal. One dollar a month will get you there. Thanks for sharing the show around to the various social medias that we are all beholden to and addicted to. It helps people find the show. It helps people. Uh, it helps it helps it in the algorithm. And, uh, again, we all serve the algorithm. It's infinite wisdom. Oh, yeah. Uh, Subscribe on YouTube, I guess, and Twitch. I always forget to mention Twitch. Uh, If you... Maybe we'll do merchandise. Maybe that'll be a post-episode 300 thing. We'll do T-shirts and stuff. I don't know. We'll see. But... Thank you so much for listening to the show and supporting the show over, over all these years. And uh, Can you hear me now? stay safe out there. Out on Route and take it easy. Dark and lonely. I got my radio on. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now?
Welcome to my top 10. I'd like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl. There is no special girl! It's the, it's the end of radio. The last announcer plays the last record. The last what? Leaves the transmitter. Circles the globe in search of a listener. Can you hear me now? Broadcasting if there's no one there to receive. It's the end of radio. As we come to the close of our broadcast day. See?